Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. It's good to be seen. Amen. If you've got a Bible, if you could open up to Galatians chapter 1, we are going to begin a journey through the book of Galatians um, today. And so my assignment today is an introduction into the book of Galatians, which I hope to do uh, well in the moments that I have. And uh, Galatians chapter 1, we're only going to look at the first five verses So the book of Galatians, uh, and giving you a little context and a little history on the book of Galatians, it's nestled uh, right after um, Romans, and it is in the the section of epistles to the churches, and right here, um, it's, it's a collection of Paul's writings to the churches, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and um, First and Second Thessalonians, and, 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 and its placement would lead you to believe that it's it's uh, the second letter, you know, Romans and, and Galatians. It's actually the third letter written in timeline after First and Second Thessalonians, which were the first letters to the early churches, which are at the end of the grouping. And so here we have uh, Galatians, a letter that was put here uh, in time frame, but in context that uh, in subject matter that is relevant to us. It's not written to us, but it's written for us. Amen. And so we we have a letter to a church nestled in not just Galatia was a region and an area in Asia Minor that's modern, that it's a cityscape, the most modern cityscape at the time in that area, its capital being Ankara, and today would be known as as modern day Ankara in Turkey, the nation of Turkey, and so just to give you a little region there. Um, we don't know the exact date that Paul actually preached the gospel as he, as he went into this area. What we do know is that he did. We do know that he left and went into the region, preached the gospel, churches were set up. And what we can see in this letter as it begins to unfold to us is that the Apostle Paul is working his way through addressing a church that was established there with a heart as a father of one who set things up. And so um, addressing particular, some issues that were going on in the church, not unlike today, issues that uh, are not unlike today. In fact, um, when you read the letters uh, to the churches, you, you quickly begin to understand that people are people are people are people. Right? Come on. And you begin to quickly understand that if you were honest with yourself at one time or another, that some of these issues that, that the, the, the writers were writing about it and putting their finger on and addressing, uh, though, though the, the recipients of these letters in the original time were not of our language or of our peoples, but they, but they, they were in that you can relate because many of the issues, sin items, behavioral things, we have done. It, it, it was in us. We were born with it. Born with this condition called sin. 
And so Christ coming in and radically changing the landscape and the Apostle Paul leading into that. So, so here we see that uh, early on, we know that the Apostle Paul was sent with Barnabas and they went and preached together when they set up and they, they spread the message. They went through the area. People were radically saved. Churches were set up. And so when they went, uh, when they went, they went to go check out. Also, we know that they went to check out the works that had been established and see what had happened. In fact, um, in, in Acts, the book of Acts is a lead in to Galatians. Just a little context here. We see a conversation in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, where, um, where the request was, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. An apostle who had set up churches going back to see what was happening in the time and what was happening in the area. You know, you know there's, a, there's a saying amongst businesses and churches, and that's that there's nothing like founders. And what I mean by that is that founders have this affinity for the thing that they've set up. And you know whether you've crafted something, you've commissioned something, you've been a, a part of something in the early days, whether you were the sole person or part of a team or group. There, there's nothing quite like being right in the incubation and the initiation and the birthing of an idea or a work. And we can see this in, in Paul's heart for the churches, we can see this, that as he addresses, there's a, there's a desire and there's a heart as a founder, as a pastor, as a father, ultimately as the apostle, as the one who set up. And so, so he writes, except something had happened here in the midst from the time that he had set it up to the time that he had left. I'm just giving you some, some pretext as we go through. Christians who were Jews had made their way to this area. And they began to teach something other than the Apostle Paul had taught. Something other than grace and freedom. And if, you wanna, if you're taking notes and write down some thematic elements of, of the book of Galatians, you could put freedom. You could put grace. Because the argument in the letter that's set up is that you were set free. And I submit to you this morning that that argument written 2,000 years ago is just as relevant to us today. And you're going to see in just some of the beginning few verses as he begins to address. The, the, the Jews who were Christians, they were called Judaizers at the time. In fact, that, that word, that title only appears once in any of the letters, and it appears right here in the book of Galatians. And it specifically refers to Christians who were Jews that, that encouraged the workings um, of people to adhere to the Mosaic law, namely circumcision to be saved and other uh, laws early on that the Jews adhered to. And, that, and so they were not... They were not working under the context that the Apostle Paul had preached of, you are saved by grace. They were working under another teaching, and this is the teaching that Paul is coming to address. You can see that uh, as we get into it, his heart was for it. I want to break it down a little bit to you. And so if you had to break it down in this first chapter, you could say that... Uh, 
Paul is, is going to address, number one, his authority. So Paul lays it clear, his authority. And when any time you, you hear in conversation or you read in text somebody who launches into a conversation with their authority, it generally raises question or alarm. I know you're the boss. I know you own this. I know what's, like, like you understand, like, oh, what are we getting at here? Because I know all that. What are you getting at? He's addressing something. And then later in the, in the, in the chapters, he begins to lay out his, his, his argument of, of, of doctrine and, and justification and faith. And, and I, I submit to you that the book of Galatians, as it expounds, are principles that are foundational to your faith. If you are not familiar with the book of Galatians and the principles of grace and, and, and justification by faith and uh, pairing with, with Galatians with the book of Romans, then it's time to hunker down and do some reading. Amen? Come on, time to, time to jump right in. And so, so I want to read Galatians chapter 1. And if you've got the text, you can follow verse 1 through 5. Here we go. Says Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Five verses. So packed. Let's get right into... Actually, let's get right into... uh, uh, I want to play you a little video intro... Uh, from the Bible Project, Overview of Galatians, the first four minutes, 19 seconds, to, to unpack a little more about what you're about to hear and see. So. Paul's letter to the Galatians. It was written to a number of churches in the region of Galatia where Paul had traveled on one of his missionary journeys. You can read the stories in the book of Acts. He wrote this important letter from a place of deep passion and frustration. Here's the backstory. Christianity began as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem, but its message was for all humanity, and so it quickly spread beyond Israel. By Paul's time as a missionary, there were as many non-Jews as there were Jewish people in the Jesus movement, and this sparked a huge debate that we know about from the book of Acts chapter 15. Historically, the covenant people of God were focused in one ethnic group, Israel, and they were set apart by the practices commanded in the Torah, like circumcision of males, eating kosher, observing the Sabbath. And there were many Jewish Christians who believed that for all of these non-Jews to truly become a part of God's family, they needed to obey the laws of the Torah. And so some of these Jewish Christians ended up coming to the Galatian churches. They were undermining Paul and demanding circumcision of all these male non-Jewish Christians. 
And so many of them were. And when Paul found out, he was brokenhearted and angry. And this letter is the result. He first challenges the Galatians with his summary of the gospel message about the crucified Messiah. He then argues that this gospel is what creates the new multi-ethnic family of Jesus and Abraham. And then he shows how this gospel is what truly transforms people by the presence and power of the Spirit. He opens by expressing his bewilderment that the Galatians have embraced a different gospel. It's the one promoted by these Christians who badmouth Paul and demand circumcision. So Paul first defends the authenticity of his message and authority as an apostle. He was commissioned by the risen Jesus himself to go to the non-Jewish world. Remember the story from the book of Acts. Paul says it was only later that he went to Jerusalem to consult the other apostles like Peter or James. And when he told them he wasn't requiring non-Jewish Christians to be circumcised or eat kosher, they were in full support. But this tension ran deeper. Peter had come to Antioch to visit and see all of these non-Jewish Christians, and he was eating and mingling with them. But when some of this Jerusalem opposition group showed up in Antioch, Peter caved under their pressure. He stopped eating with these uncircumcised Christians, and he was avoiding them. And so Paul confronted and accused Peter of hypocrisy, of not staying true to the gospel. For Paul, demanding these new Christians to become circumcised and Torah-observant, it's wrong-headed for all kinds of reasons. First of all, because it's a betrayal of the gospel. Or in his words, people are not justified by the works of the Torah, but rather by the faith of Jesus the Messiah. And we have faith in the Messiah Jesus. To be justified, or literally to be declared righteous, it's a rich Old Testament term for Paul. It's when God declares that someone is in a right relationship with him. They're forgiven, they're given a place in God's family, and they are being transformed by God's grace. And it's Paul's conviction that no one can be justified by observing the commands of the Torah, but only by the faith of Jesus. This is a dense phrase, and it could refer to Jesus' own faithfulness in living and dying on our behalf, or it could refer to our own trust and devotion to Jesus. Either way, the point is clear. People are justified only through trusting in what God did for them through Jesus, not by what they do for themselves. At the heart of Paul's gospel is this claim, that when people trust in the Messiah Jesus, what's true of him becomes true of them. His life, death, and resurrection become theirs. Or in his words, I've been crucified with the Messiah, and it's not I who come back to life. It's the Messiah living in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the reason anyone can say that they are right with God or belong to Jesus' covenant family, it's not because they obeyed the laws of the Torah. It's only because of what Jesus did for them that they could never do for themselves. Now, this profound understanding of what Jesus accomplished. Come on. They do such a good job with their illustrations and overall summary. You know, Paul, at the very beginning, many theologians write about his introduction in this letter and some, a few of the unique differences with his, how he greets and writes as an example of the urgency in the sense of um, even um, what rises within him, a frustration that he needs to point out. And so Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. 
an assertion and a reminder that his authority didn't come from uh, the local community, that he had an encounter with God that ordained and called him and sent him, and, and thereby asserting and reminding that, wait a minute, it wasn't you who gave me this authority. It's Jesus Christ himself, and I'm here to tell you something. He, he's reaffirming uh, the encounter that he had in Acts chapter 9, of verse 1 through 6, and we'll read that in a minute. And then, and then he says to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace to God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. This greeting is a wonderful greeting. In fact, it merges two kinds of greetings here in his writing. It merges the Greek greeting of grace to the, to the Gentile believers and peace to the Hebrew Christians all together in one sentence. The Apostle Paul was a master wordsmith. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he was led to write and, and to open up the word of God to people in such a way that, that as the people read it, they would have understood, oh, he's greeting us. And as the letter got passed around, uh, the next group or, or the other people, would, oh, oh, see, he's greeting us. We understand his intro. We understand what he's about to say. But, but one of the things interesting that's missing from this introduction, an introduction that is present in all the other epistles, is the thanksgiving phrase that he normally puts for the church. It's missing here. It's missing here. He doesn't, he doesn't give thanks to God for the church. He doesn't give thanks to God for these people who have blessed him. If you read the other ones, this is a, a noticeable omission. It's one that many theologians say right here points. This thing that's missing points to the import that the Apostle Paul was feeling about this letter that he was about to write to the church. He was about to address another gospel. Think about this. The Apostle Paul was ready to write an argument, a defense for the gospel and the work of Jesus. He launched right into it. It would be particularly like having a conversation with somebody and you be the one who had been mulling about it and thinking about it and you're ready to confront. And maybe you've been in this position where you get right to him, you see him, maybe you invited him to lunch, maybe you saw him happenstance, maybe it was a coffee time, and you're sitting there, and it's the first thing, man, you're preloaded, and all of a sudden, you're like, hi, and they say hi, and you're just like, anyways, we need to talk about this. And their response being, oh, not even a how are you, and how's it going, and I mean, you can relate, like, right here, Paul gets right to the crux. He's going right to the issue, and he lays out, the sense of authority that he has. And so in Acts chapter 9, I just want to read this story. Powerful conversion story. Verse 1, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way... Men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
which was his name before conversion. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. Come on. Powerful story. So they went. They went into town. They waited. The Lord gave instruction. And then the story continues of a miraculous work that God did in his life and over him. And he launches right into the reason for the beginning of his writing. Right amongst you, there are people messing with the message. And the message is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're messing with the person of who he is. They're messing with the work that he did. You see, right here, the, 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 the whole contrasting conversation of you need to adhere to the law and do these works. You are saved by grace and the work of Jesus did it all. Now, right there, it sounds like we'd be able to differentiate when, when we hear this, right? Whoa, wow, hello, no, this makes sense. Jesus saves us. Well, but wait a minute. See, the Bible wasn't written to us, it was written for us, and there are many principles in it that we can draw from. But think about this. Think about the Christian. If you've been saved for any length of time, think about all of the good uh, disciplines and rituals and processes by which you grow to know God more on a regular basis. Think about it. Let's think about it. Daily Bible reading and meditation and fasting and spending time, you know, hearing his word and, and not forsaking the fellowship of the brethren. So attending church on Sunday and, and every other thing you've come to know about how you would grow to know God more. You start talking with other believers about how that works and you're reading devotionals and you're in this process. And, and all of a sudden, the daily regimen gets on the schedule day after day. Week after week, month after month, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're going to church, you're doing all the things that you know to do. And then somewhere in our human nature, we begin to rely on the acts that we're doing, thereby confirming what's happened to us and keeping and earning this work that's been done for us. And, and the reason why we can know this is, is we begin to get thoughts in our head as though, uh-oh, you're not a good Christian. You've missed reading the Bible for a few days. Uh-oh, you haven't meditated on his word in a while. Uh-oh, you've missed a couple Sundays in a row. And uh-oh, God's, God's going to be mad at me. Now, now, in the midst of those thinking processes, I submit to you that there can be indicators along the way of our relationship with God and how it's going by how we prioritize things in our life. Amen? And so by how we prioritize in our heart yearnings and, and press in for the right reasons, God continues to do a wonderful work in our lives. But when something switches in our mind, thereby where we begin to understand and feel like, I, in order to be a good Christian... I have to do all these things and adhere to all these things. The line begins to get blurred. Faith by grace, faith by works. Now, now 
I heard a statement a while back, and I'm not sure who said it, and, and forgive me if I misquote them, but it just simply said, God is not opposed to effort. God is not opposed to effort. So I'm not here telling you this morning to loosen all moorings and to throw the lines and to go do whatever it is that you want to do. What I am saying, though, is that the thing that Paul is addressing, false teaching, and the methods by which that false teaching began to emphasize and was creeping into the church, and the believer's acceptance of it created a scenario by which people heard it and then were conflicted and confused in how they could relate to God. It put a stumbling block between them and God, thinking their efforts were the metric and the measure by which they would be accepted by God. Think about this. This is heavy. This is heavy because I submit to you that, that if you've walked with the Lord for any period of time, this idea has tried to creep into your heart and mind. Oh, I haven't. Oh, God, you're going to be mad. Oh, how do I earn? I got to go do. Or I've tripped up. So now I must turn and earn the goodness of God. Come on, it works both ways. It works both ways. And the Apostle Paul is addressing and he's saying, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't let this one stand. Niceties aside, I am an apostle. I set this church up. My authority comes from Jesus. I'm glad to be talking with you, but, but here's the crux and we're going to address it. And then he goes on. Jesus, the work that he did. The forgiveness of sin that saves us. What's he actually saying? He's laying the groundwork. Yet again, a reminder of the basics in first five verses. He reminds them that the work was done through Jesus. He reminds them that it was by grace that they're saved, although he doesn't use those exact words. He reminds them that it's forgiveness of sin and God is saving them through that process. First five verses, laid it out. It's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he's writing right here. That's what he's writing. He's reminding them. He's reminding them essentially of John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved. Through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Another epistle, chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift from God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. The Apostle Paul gave his life for the gospel, was willing to challenge even the people that he led to the Lord who had been walking with Christ for a while. They caught on to something that was detrimental to the message of the gospel of freedom in Christ. You see, 
However we journey through this book, however many weeks it takes us, whatever concepts are presented before you, right here is the message. You are loved. You were sought after. You were fought for. You were died over. And it was lavished on you. Freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from bondage. And freedom from evil in this present age. It's talked about. It's covered. He's going to go there. And the Apostle Paul is going to do war with systems of thinking. Systems of thinking that have been set up in their mind. But I submit to you, in our minds, it easily creeps in. Thereby we justify our own standing with God. And the metrics of our behavior. And thereby come off sometimes thinking, I'm good enough or I'm not good enough. And Paul is saying right here, if you are in Christ, you have been forgiven. One, starting point, stop. Sentence end. And that's for us. And that's for everyone. And this is the good news. This is the message that our community, our county, our state needs to hear. The message of the gospel. This is, would you stand with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard a full gospel message. You've never heard that Jesus came, died for your sins. You've never heard that there is one who is love and his name is Jesus and grace and mercy and unmerited favor were ours because of God and his son. We want to talk to you more about that.